We're going to read uh, from the Bible together, uh, so if you've got them, you might like to open them to John chapter 5. If you haven't, no worries at all, because it's going to come up on the screen. We're going to read uh, a little uh, uh, story from uh, John's Gospel, all about just after Jesus has healed somebody on the Sabbath. And as you'll see, some of the religious leaders of the day were not very impressed with him. So John chapter 5, starting at verse 16. Let me read to you. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath... But he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son, in other words, himself, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever doesn't honor the Son doesn't honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he's given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. May God speak to us today as he has just done so. I don't know if you've heard the rather naughty, if not slightly amusing, story uh, about an elderly lady one day who, upon getting out of the bath, happens to catch a glance of herself in the mirror. After pausing for a minute, she begins to moan out loud to her husband in the other room. Just look at me, Reg, she shouts. I'm falling apart. I've got wrinkles all over the place, everywhere sags, my bones seem to be wasting away and everywhere seems to wobble when I move. Does anything work properly anymore, she shouts. And then came a voice from the other room, a bit too quickly. Well, your eyes seem to be working all right. <laughs> well, in this series, this short series, we're hoping that our eyes, our focus, will be right. Slightly tenuous link. Because we are doing a very short series on God. Who is God? Many people in our society believe in God. Every year, the opening of Parliament, the very foundation of the leadership of this country, begins with this prayer. Lord, the God of righteousness and truth, grant to our Queen and her government, to members of Parliament and all in positions of responsibility, the guidance of your spirit, 
May they never lead the nation wrongly through love of power, desire to please, or unworthy ideals. But laying aside all private interests and prejudices, keep in mind their responsibility to seek to improve the condition of all mankind. So, you, so may your kingdom come and your name be hallowed. Amen. Quite a good prayer. So our society, many people, the very foundations of our society, are centered on a recognition that there is a God... God is important for our nation. Many of your colleagues, many of your neighbors will believe in God. But it's only when we begin to unpack what we mean by God that we begin to realize that many of us have very different ideas. And so in this short series, just like that elderly woman, we're hoping to check our focuses right so that we can have an understanding of what the Bible describes, says about God. Last week, as Martin said, we looked at the Holy Spirit God's presence with us and in us. And today, we're looking at God the Son, God's salvation for us. And we live in a world, by and large, in which people have quite a lot of time for Jesus. As Gandhi famously once said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Many people, whether they would call themselves Christians or not, would have a high value of Jesus. We like Jesus. And so we're going to explore this morning Jesus and what he says about himself from this passage. And we're going to keep one verse on the screen, a great summary verse. Verse 24, we read it. Very truly, I tell you, says Jesus, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. I'm going to keep that on the screen. Reflect on it. And so there's three main things we want to draw out very quickly from this passage. And the first is simply this. Jesus reveals who God is. Who God is. Look at verse 18. The reason the Jewish leaders of the day were so annoyed at Jesus is because he breaks the Sabbath. But not only that, verse 18, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Blasphemy. Hugely controversial. And the obvious no-brainer thing is, Jesus was either wrong or right. He either was who he said he was, or he wasn't. It's obvious. And so Jesus says, verse 19, I tell you, the Son, i.e. me, not me, him, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Like Father, like Son. Want to know who God is? Well, simply look at Jesus, is what he's saying. If you want to know what God is like, if your friends say they believe in God, they want to know what this God is like, Jesus simply says, look at me. What I do is what God does. I and him are one. That's why it's Christianity, Christianity. And that's what's so offensive even today about Jesus. Because as we say, he's either wrong or he's right. As Bono famously said, the lead singer of U2, he said this in an interview, 
The secular response to the Christ story always goes like this. He was a great prophet, obviously a very interesting guy, had a lot to say along the lines of other great prophets, be they Elijah, Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius. But actually Christ doesn't allow you that. He doesn't let you off that hook. Christ says, no, I'm not saying I'm a teacher. Don't call me a teacher. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm saying I'm the Messiah. I'm saying I'm God incarnate. And people say, no, 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 please, please, just be a prophet. A prophet we can take. And so what you're left with, he says, either Christ was who he said he was, the Messiah, or was a complete nutcase. I mean, we're talking nutcase on the level of Charles Manson, famous serial killer, if you don't know who that is. The idea that the entire course of civilization for over half of the globe could have its fate changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, for me, that's far-fetched, says Bono. So he's either wrong or he's right. And can I say to you, therefore, if you're here this morning and you've never fully investigated this question, I want to suggest this is the most important question you can ever ask. Is Jesus wrong or right in what he says about himself? If he's wrong, leave him well away. Leave him behind. doesn't matter. If he's right... Everything changes. And if he is God, it shows that God isn't some distant figure up there, out there, some distant force. Jesus shows God is near. God on the factory floor. Do you remember that famous program, The Secret Millionaire? Was it The Secret Millionaire? Yeah, where the, where the kind of the boss of the company suddenly kind of comes incognito and works on the factory floor and nobody knows who it is and then at the very last minute he reveals himself and everyone goes, <gasps> shock, wow. Literally, Jesus is God on the factory floor. God with us. But unlike the secret millionaire, he's not the boss who only shows up for a TV program. He's permanent with us by his Holy Spirit, as we said last week. God is near. God is intensely personal. Jesus reveals who God is, a central part of Christianity. And so therefore, we have no option to say, I like Jesus. I like the good bits about him that I want. He's either right or he's wrong. He's either God incarnate or he's not. He's either the Messiah or he's not. But of course, therefore, the evidence for it is where we're going next. The evidence that Jesus can back up his claim is key because Jesus not only shows who God is, secondly, Jesus shows and reveals how God works. Now, I had a strange experience the other day. I phoned our water company, Seven Trent. I phoned them up, and the strange experience was I got through straight away. It was very unusual. You sort of prepare, you dial the number, and you kind of put it on speakerphone, because you know you've got a good seven or eight minutes to kind of do a few bits before you finally get rid of those annoying messages saying, we're trying our best to get to you as soon as possible. We live, don't we, in a world of answer phone waiting times. Verse 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Now, the leaders of the day are complaining that Jesus is working 
on the Sabbath. And Jesus basically says, God's always at work, and so am I. He never says, I'm sorry I missed that. We never get in a queue. I'll be with you one moment, as soon as you are 57th in the queue. And to use the illustration even more of being in a call center, imagine if I'd have got through to the call center immediately, and I'd said, I've got this thing with the bill, and they said, oh no, we already know that, we've got it sorted, thank you very much, Mr. Chilvers. They've been working on my behalf already, without me even asking? Imagine that. And I want to suggest to you that that reality that Jesus says, my father is already at work and I am already at work, is a huge comfort to many of us. For some of us right now, we need to know that Jesus is at work already in that circumstance. And he has been way before you were. The things that are overwhelming you, the questions you have, the things that you've got coming up this week, Jesus has already been at work. How encouraging is that? That we, even when we pray, it's not as if we're suddenly, suddenly describing a situation that he doesn't know anything about. I'm at work, he says. My father is always at work. And even more than that, the Bible talks about God's compassion. And that word literally means suffers with. So it's not only been at work, he suffers with us. He cares for you in that and therefore can be trusted to work for you. A few years ago, I had a very, very surprising experience. We were at a dinner party. It was, it was actually Claire's, uh, yeah, anyway, it was actually a formal sit down black tie do. It was quite lovely. We were on this table with a group of people that we didn't know. And it was one of those things where the men and women got separated, so it is, you know, boy, girl, boy, girl, and all that kind of stuff. But they mixed it up a little bit, and so Claire and I didn't sit next to each other and so on. So I was sat here, and then another woman, and then another guy, and then the other side of that was Claire, okay? And I overheard, there was a lull in my conversation, my polite conversation with the woman next to me. I overheard right at the beginning <laughs> this guy say to Claire, oh, hello, what's your name? And she said, Claire Chilvers. The second question he asked was, and what does your husband do? <laughs> he wasn't vaguely interested in her at all. And when she said, he's a church minister, that was it. He literally didn't speak to her for the rest of the evening. <laughs> it reminds us of actually how crucial it is that Jesus reveals that God is interested in you. He doesn't even ask, what do you do? He's interested in you. Not your, or your husband or not whatever does. God cares for you and never lets up. So Jesus is God. He reveals who God is. He reveals how God works constantly on our behalf, how good that is. But thirdly, as a result of that good news, Jesus very clearly reminds us of what God does. And there's two dimensions to that in this passage. Firstly, he is the giver of life. Did you see that? Look at verse 20. 
The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he'll show him even greater works than these so that you'll all be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. Jesus is basically saying in veiled language to his disciples, you've seen some pretty amazing miracles. But you're about to see something even more incredible that you are going to be amazed at when he, of course, dies on a cross and then rises from the dead. And Jesus says, the Father rises people from the dead. Look, it's going to happen to me. And therefore, I will enable people to be risen from the grave. Life. That's what Jesus does. And not just a better life. A new improve, you know, Tim Chilver's 2.0, redux. Not just a better situation, but eternal life. Shattering the greatest enemy. And I want to suggest that for us in the West, however our circumstances may be, I think we forget the beautiful reality of this. Because really, we live in a society of relative comfort. Certainly compared to history, but certainly compared to many places in the world even today. And therefore, we have an emphasis on a better me now, rather than the beautiful reality of death being beaten. I saw a bereavement card the other day that said something like, They may be gone, but they will live on with you in your memories. And I get the heart of it. But of course, it's nonsense. The pain of death is they're gone. They're not there with you. Of course, you have your memories. But that's the brutality of death. That's why it aches so much. That's why it's our greatest enemy. Why we'll spend billions and trillions of dollars trying to defeat it. And pounds. I've led many funeral services and seen the haunting ache of bewilderment in people's eyes as they have no idea how to govern now what happens next, as this person's gone. And Jesus reveals that God cares. He cares about that. Why? Verse 21, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, So the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. Can I say for a moment, as a little aside, if you're here and you're not sure whether you'd say you're definitely a Christian or or you're kind of exploring or you've been coming along to church, but you know that kind of personal relationship with God is not there. It's sort of just kind of there. This is the very nub of Christianity. Seems to me it's such a crucial question. Is Jesus right in what he said about himself and did he rise from the dead? All other issues you may have with the church or what the church believes about certain things come second to that, it seems to me. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, well, what does it matter what the church view on X, Y, and Z is? But if Jesus did rise from the dead, if there is the possibility of us escaping this great mortal enemy, well, then everything changes. And my little views on certain things can pale compared to the beauty of that reality. Everything changes. 
Which is why I remember at the funeral service of my grandma, as the, 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 the coffin in the crematorium went down, it was one of those places where it went down into the floor, uh, and the keyboard was playing this song, I've said it before, this song, There is a Redeemer. My grandfather on the front row, with tears streaming down his face, began in a solo voice as everyone else was quiet with just the key, keyboard singing, when I stand in glory, I will see his face. That changes everything. That's just not a nice card. This means life is different because Jesus reveals the God who gives life for all Eternity, crucial. So that's how God works. That's what God does. But there's a second aspect to it. Did you pick this up? Not only does Jesus give life for all eternity, but there's another task that Jesus carries out. Verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Jesus is very clearly saying, you say you believe in God, how you know that to be true is the way you treat me, says Jesus. And in the light of that, there is a day of judgment in which Jesus is the judge. Now, can I encourage you here? We don't talk a lot about judgment in the West. We don't dwell on this too much, but I want to suggest, isn't it brilliant that we have a judge who understands our predicament? Not a distant force, but one who has been with us and is tempted in every way, the same as us, every way. And verse 27, the Father has given him authority to judge because he's the Son of Man. There's a great quote in To Kill a Mockingbird. You never really know a man until you understand things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. It's a great little quote. Imagine you were up in court for some reason and there is a bank of computers deciding your fate. I would much rather, which is why our criminal justice system is based on, a group of my peers as the jury deciding that. I would much rather a judge who understands what it is like to be one of us. Judgment is so important. But I want to say something else. It's also really good news. The fact that one day we will stand before God and things will be laid bare. Why? Because right now in this room right now there are victims of things that nobody has ever seen and nobody will ever see. And the fact that there is judgment shows that God cares. He cares about those that have been abused in secret. He cares for those that have been killed in places around the world, even now, 
that will never make our news. And so it is good news that all wrong will be judged because all the wrongs done against us, those things that you know have caused you so much pain, God saw. And one day, it's good news. And again, us in our relative comfort in the West, we forget just how good news that really is. And it's a completely just judgment as well. Verse 30. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. In other words, there's no bias in this. There's no, I don't like what you're wearing in court. No. That's good news. This is good news. Many people in our society kind of have a vague echo of God being judge. But here we have the reality that Jesus is judge. But of course, as I come to a close, there is a bit of a bite, isn't there, here? We are not just victims, are we? Verse 29. Those who have done what is good will rise. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. There is judgment. It's unbiased. But that's precisely our problem. <laughs> a few years ago, um, I was driving my car, uh, trying to find a place to park. And I saw this space. All the signs said, out of use, this is restricted area. But I thought I could get away with it. So I parked. Came back to the car, half an hour later, parking ticket. I was furious. Wrote a letter, even. Mm. And then a couple of weeks later, I was parked in a valid bay, <laughs> and I saw somebody come up and park in a disabled bay without a blue badge. I was absolutely livid at them. How dare they park where they shouldn't. Ah. And of course, that's the rub, isn't it? We, as victims, will be brought to light. How good news is that? How freeing is that? One day. But also the reality is all of us will find that we are wanting. And so therefore, the beauty of this verse on the screen comes very, very clear. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Because we have one, the God himself stands in our place, taking the hit for us so that we can see the fruit of eternal life. God is weak on our behalf. Jesus shows how weak he is willing to be for the sake of you and you and you and you and all of us. May we be then people who just shine brightly this Jesus.